All right, we're back, folks, for another episode of our Everyday People, Everyday Stories, Everyday Lives During a Global Pandemic. Um, I'm so excited to be joined with our guest today, Aisha Goriozaki. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about how she's been experiencing this global pandemic. I'm so excited to have you, Aisha. How are you today? Thanks, Brittany. I'm doing really well. I'm happy to have this conversation and look forward to connecting. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to jump right in. Um, I've been asking folks, especially because as we all know in this work, like our identities influence um, just how we experience the world, even more so something as major as a global pandemic. And so I'm just going to kick off asking um, if you could just share a little bit more about who you are and more specifically those aspects of your identity that have been particularly top of mind and influencing how you're experiencing this moment in time. Sure. So I I'm Aisha Goryozaki. I identify, I use pronouns she, her, hers. I identify as a Muslim uh, American uh, in the U.S. And I was raised in a multiracial household. I'm the daughter of a white mother and a Pakistani father. And I'm our, my own life that, that, that has brought so many different experiences to my Sort of understanding of life and kind of how I how I go about this, and then also married somebody who my partner is Japanese American, so we're raising uh, two children, an 18 year old and a 13 year old, who are even more uh, blended and have had such interesting experiences. You know, things like for, for my kids being Muslim being really multiracial but presenting much more like their dad in terms of looks and then navigating really interesting experiences and times they happen to have grandparents who were imprisoned in the u.s um, so they know the complexities of both identity and sort of race and just you know the the challenges that we sometimes face i think overall we're really fortunate as a family we've had a lot of beautiful experiences. And right now we're in the midst of the holy month of Ramadan. So mm -hmm. for us, that usually brings a number of other moments and experiences. And I'm happy to share a little bit more about those as we talk a little bit further. But I think that's sort of my, in terms of my work, I work in the inclusion and diversity space. So I care very much about these conversations and try to ensure that, you know, I'm continuing to do the work myself, but also trying to help others sort of come along and think about things a little bit differently and maybe raise conversation where we sometimes don't and uh -huh. think we can, you know, really look to connect across the meaningful pieces of all of us, right? So yeah. a little bit about me. So I'm 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 curious, what has um what has this month been like? And so what is Ramadan been like for your family? You you said you are calling in from Chicago. Um, and so even so I think about in the backdrop, Ramadan's in the backdrop. There's a lot of conversation, even not just Chicago, but around the country around how race is a huge factor or has um, become a huge factor in us understanding the impact of COVID-19. So that's in the backdrop. Obviously, your family being multiracial um, 
And so I wonder just like what has life during this pandemic, all things considered, been like been like for you? You know, I think all things considered, I feel generally really comfortable, uh, healthy and well. And so I think for those factors alone, I feel very grateful. Uh And then with that, a level of guilt at times, right? Because we are able to all be where we've been able to pivot our work from from my children's e-learning to my partner and I's work. We're able to work from home. We don't necessarily have to be in frontline spaces or worry about some of the complexities that others are worried about. On the flip side, we're really concerned about those folks who are either unable to get the resources they need or are in sometimes directly in the way of danger when it relates to this, you know, airy and such a unique experience for all of us, right? I mean, this is something that will probably be on people's minds for a long time. I think, you know, I I generally sort of fit in this space of like, I'm grateful. I'm sometimes worried, but for the most part, really aware of the fact that we are together and safe and well, and hopefully can also leverage those levels of comfort to help others in moments. In terms of sort of how the epidemic has affected us, it's interesting. I mean, my family, we're all in dispersed locations, but in the Chicago area, suburbs and some locations. And, you know, we know that some folks are in you know, either more at risk based on other ailments or other things. So trying to really ensure that we maintain physical distancing and ensure that we can keep our family members and friends and colleagues sort of safe in that respect, trying to get creative, right? So like, how can you leverage technology Uh or we've done some driving by to do some drop-offs of of meals and getting creative with, you know, different resources and services that are out there to help people connect. And and then also recognizing that um, there's a lot of misinformation that sometimes is being conveyed in in larger spaces where people are fortunately um, either sort of targeting particular populations, in some cases, um, individuals who are in the Asian community who are getting know, really mistreated based on misinformation kind of in the media and larger spaces where folks may be referencing the disease, um, tying it to certain particular communities or whatnot. Um, It's just a concern, right? And so trying to stay informed on how we can ensure that folks are not propagating the the misinformation that's out there and really helping people think about things just more thoughtfully and recognizing the impact of saying the wrong name for the disease or attributing it to a particular community and how that just hurts us all, right, in the end. And, and of course, those who are in those communities more so. Um, so that, those are a few things. I'm not sure if I completely addressed all of your questions, but those are a few ways that we're str- in terms of, you know, just life. I have my our 18 year old is a senior in high school. So things like grad, oh, you know, college, we just found out yesterday, college will be virtual in the fall. So, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of, kinds of things. Um, all in the midst of also, you know, we're in week three now of Ramadan. So in terms of we're sort of at the end of of the month, but like it's still a lot of things that you are doing differently in your day. Our days are very different. Our nights are very different. And so, you know, it's it's a different schedule and a different experience. 
And so I, I wonder um, what else some ways. And so I actually have two questions. One related to Ramadan, sort of like how the date, how how you all have um, uh, celebrated this month differently as a result of the the pandemic. And I'm really curious about, um, especially hearing this. Your your child's a senior in college, and so um, high school, senior in high school, senior in high school headed to college, so that's major. And I've been thinking more about just how older children, so I have a three-year-old, mm-hmm. really get it to be, you know, he doesn't, he, he, very minimal understanding of what is going on. But for older right. children and parents, you know, as a parent of older children, how, from your perspective, you know, they've even been dealing with this time. So I'm interested in both. I'm mm-hmm. interested in how um, Ramadan has shifted this uh, this in the context of um, COVID, and then also how you've been um, able to manage this this time and um, even foster understanding with your with your children. Sure, I'll start with the first for Ramadan, just because I think um, there may be. I'll, I'll just do a couple quick, even just little brief bits about what Ramadan means for folks, right? So most commonly, when you think about the, it's one of the holiest months for Muslims around the world. Essentially, what you pretty much hear about the most is we're fasting from dawn, which is before sunrise to sunset. So I'm in the Midwest, and at this time of the year, that's about a 16 and a half hour fast. And so we wake up for a pre-dawn meal. And the way that my family does it in, in our home, and there's four of us, is I generally time it where I get up about 10 minutes before everybody else. I want to make sure that each of my family members has kind of what they want to eat. And so I do a little bit of prep and kind of, uh, I call it the, the pre-dawn meal is called the sahur in Arabic. And so I call it Olympics because I'm running around kind of real quick trying to get a lot of things out um, so that when, as they wake up um, or get by their dad, maybe they are, can eat something. They can usually we're up together for maybe 20 or 30 minutes. We're putting everything away, we're saying our prayers, and then we're probably going back to sleep. Now, because you acknowledge my kids are older and their e-learning schedule is a little bit different. And so for some of them, um, the oldest, for example, might stay up in some cases until it's time to eat in the morning because that works better for his routine. And then he can, you know, maybe get some rest and then get up when he needs to get up for his e-learning for my younger one, she's 13, that kind of varies based on the weekend. Sometimes we'll say, okay, stay up. Uh, because it's not easy to be awakened at three in the morning, by the way. I yeah. mean, it's to yeah. eat anything at three in the morning either. So you kind of have to juggle sort of what that is. And then we fast all day and the intention um, in fasting from food and drink, and that includes water, is if you're able, and that's just for folks who are healthy and able to do so, then you are also thinking about the other ways that you can have a spiritual reset, right? So connecting uh, with your faith, connecting and giving back more, abstaining from, you know, for me, we all set goals in our family. My goals were like, okay, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to connect more and do more reading. I want to be, I want to stay physically active and, you know, try to leverage things like being more patient and thoughtful. So we each kind of have our own goals and how can you spend the next 30 days really doing that and connecting more spiritually? And so then at the end of the day, you know, you have your prayers during the day. At the end of the day, you break your fast at sunset and you're meant to sort of have a moderate meal. Don't overeat. And, and even when you're really hungry, it's amazing. You can't eat as much as you think you want to. But I always want to make 
our family has what they would like to eat um, at that time. And so that's sort of the day, if you will. Now, traditionally, we'd also be getting up and going to school or work. So really, uh, one unexpected silver lining is not having to have the same runaround schedule to have to do that has been sort of delightful as a parent, you know, because I don't have to put a kid to, you know, kids that are going to bed at 3.30 and then waking up at 7 or 7.15 to get in, you know, on the bus or get in the car to go to school. So from that perspective, it's been kind of cool. Um, on the flip side, in the evening, our evening usually goes, you break your fast, you say your prayer, and then you head to the local community center or mosque for your nightly prayers. And that has been something, you know, we've done for a really long time. And you have a community experience there. So obviously the mosques are closed. There's none of that. They are streaming the prayers, which is kind of cool. So we've been able to do that. Um, but you it's an experience that my, my youngest volunteers, she's part of a a group that does a lot of volunteer work there. And so for her, that's kind of a lost experience this year. And, you know, she's definitely aware of that. What's also a nice silver lining with that experience is normally we're rushing. We're sort of rushing mm -hmm. to her. And then we're not home until midnight and you start the cycle all over again. So you kind of go to bed at 12, you wake up at three. And so what's interesting is our schedule, although still a very rigid schedule, is has a little more give in it. Um, and because of that, like it's it's sort of been there's moments where I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Like I I kind of can appreciate less hustle and bustle. You still have the hustle and bustle, but and we're still doing all those other things. But there's been a little bit of nice, you know, kind of feeling with that. Um, in terms of having older kids, what's great is and I have a lot of nieces and nephews and uh, my siblings who have kids who are your age, Brittany, and it's a lot, it, it's a different experience, right? I mean, when you're is up at the same time and or earlier, you know, you're running around, you're having to entertain them. Of course, they don't understand what's going on and why they can't um, have and do the things that they're accustomed to. So I definitely feel for folks who have um, younger kids where it's a much harder explanation. Now, with the older ones, what you have to do is say, no, I'm sorry, you can't hang out with your friends. You know, it's a um, or, you know, what are the things that you can do and how can you make sure that they're following the physical distance rules? Um, and also, you know, staying active, right? Because you want them to be active and get outside. My oldest was in sports, so it's like, you know, that's a bummer when you don't get to have the school experience, the closure. Yeah, especially graduating. I know, to lose graduation, to have like, you're in sports. Uh, and, you know, some of those moments that many of us, if you were born in the U.S., have taken for granted, right? Like you have maybe the chance to have a ceremony or some kind of just the events that happen at the end of the um, year. Yeah, all the fun things that you might do. Um, and so, you know, what, what what are some ways that people have gotten creative? I think that's one thing and trying to do some things virtually. They did a video of everybody saying kind of what their post high school plans are. So that's kind of neat, like trying to get creative. And it's still really different, right? And as I shared, we just got the word yesterday that he was going away for school and that it will be a virtual semester. So even beginning a college career and now all those things that, you know, we're really looking forward to in terms of moving and getting settled into a new place are very different. Right. And so just, you know, a lot of navigating and a lot of trying to be understanding and also ultimately remember this is for people's health and wellness. And we're still very fortunate. Right. So balancing out all of those things. So. Yeah, one thing that has definitely been a theme um, is, and you mentioned this, 
um, and just getting really creative about how to continue to foster connection and community in this space and time. Um, not necessarily, and, and we had many conversations about this at the beginning of the pandemic, conflating uh, physical distancing with like actual like social disconnection or distancing. And so I will say I'm with you in the ways in which we've been able to get really creative about continuing to just foster like community and even serve, right? People across the, I heard you say that your daughter is um, part of volunteer organizations and I've seen um, people across the country just getting creative about how they even serve others during this period mm -hmm. in time, whether it's like contactless grocery drop off, right? right. Um, right. Whether it's, you know, sending, um, I've, uh, I I saw a young girl um, sort of like writing postcards or letters for yes. in sort of like um, nursing home facilities, right? Um, and so it's mm -hmm. just been, it's been refreshing to even experience even the distance learning component. So I didn't share, but if folks have been following, I often share that my brother who's 16 has been living with me. And um, mm. I would have never thought in a million years that it would be possible. Like, so I actually anticipate that um, their public school will likely either be um, for the first half of the year um, in the fall, uh, virtual and or hybrid of sorts. But I'll be honest, <laughs> I don't know that I would have ever thought that public school education would evolve into a distance learning model or e-learning model so quickly or as quickly as it has. Right. Um, has been has been interesting to just experience, right? Like, yeah. huh? It's so soon, literally three months. Mm -hmm. Not even three months. I don't think March, April, May, yeah, two months. Two months. It's been. Um, so, so yeah, so I wonder, like, what are some of the, um, and you talked a little bit about, like, the silver linings, and just even being able to be still. I think that's a big one, too, like, actually being able to just bask in what may be, um, or what feels like a little bit more, you know, downtime, if you're fortunate enough to, right, have that rest, um, period. But I guess um, my follow-up question is, you know, what if some are, what would have been some of the, like, challenges? that uh, you and your family, or maybe even related to your role and kind of just being a, a working mom as well, um, what are some of the challenges you've experienced in in this time? So I think in general, what's interesting is, and I've been doing a lot of, you know, part, partially tied to the work that we're involved in, but also I think just given what's going on is, in particular, there's been a lot of commentary around where pr pressures and burdens are falling within the house. And, and I would say, like, in our family, like, for the most part, we'd probably guess, oh, you know, dad does laundry. You know, I, I handle this. Like, we had some interesting already, like, you know, we, the way that we divide and conquer the day to day. However, I do think that the lines are blurred in some ways in terms of your day, right? So it's like I kind of find myself, I tend to stand in my kitchen. It's just I'm a stander. I, I'm try, I stand in the office if I'm in the office, you know, a, a standing desk. And so that's just been my place. But prior to Ramadan, standing in the kitchen also meant like, hey, can you make me a sandwich? Or can you, you know, can you also, uh, now in Ramadan, we're not eating during the day. So that's kind of, um, that part has shifted. So I don't have to worry about that. Uh, but I think 
you know, there's some challenges in terms of like, okay, I'm going to walk away from my laptop now. You know, I, for me, part of my daily practices uh, were things like being, I, I went to a local, of, oh, it was a, it's a women's studio, women's gym, and I would go probably six or seven days out of the week. And that group, luckily, it's a small business. She's been able to pivot to online mm-hmm. and yet now on another screen, right? So I'm able to try to get my workouts in virtually. You know, it's it's still another screen. And so I think, you know, and I, I am doing it either in the kitchen or the living room, you know, trying to get to a different place where I'm not in somebody else's way. And, you know, technology issues sometimes when everybody's on the internet or whatever. And so, you know, just trying to figure some of those things out. I also feel like when I'm saying that, I feel like those are really small problems, you know, so it's, it's little things. Um, I think we, uh, it's even things like, how do you get, my, my daughter was saying, I left something at school. You can't get it. You know, you're not going to be able to get it. So how do you just sort of figure out what, you know, what do you need? You're not going to really need that. Or what are the things that we actually need? You know, we're accustomed to doing things a certain way. And do we really have to do it those ways? And I think actually when we come is sort of a chance to think about what will we be coming out of this with. I, I hope that some of those things can be looked at again. And even what you talked about is, is there time for stillness? And what does that mean? The, the cleverness in which people are able to connect and play games. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, my youngest turned 13. And that's a pretty big deal, you know, and to not have friends in I don't know how many months. I just threw out a big text message to like everyone we could think of, friends, family, you know, whatnot. Can you drive by and like honk at 6.15 p.m.? She'll be fasting, so she's already going to be a little bit in a different mind. She can't have, you know, she's it's a different experience for young people, too. Uh, and the outpouring of just love of people coming through, knowing that, you know, she's turning 13, she's fasting. This is a strange time for her as well. How many people like came by and just honked their horn, drove around a second time if they were able to. And what I heard the most, which was beautiful experience for us as our parents to see, but what was even more interesting was the people who were driving by and honking were sending us messages saying, that was the most fun I've had in 45 days or however long. (laughs) So cool to just do something different, you know? And it was really small. You talked about giving back, and that's a really central theme in our family. And we've been volunteering at some pantries and delivering food to some folks who've either been impacted by COVID or um, are still working. And so they're in really unique situations. And so, you know, we've done some delivery. And it's hard because we also get some feedback from folks and our own family, like concerned about us. Like, should you be out there? And, you know, you're wearing masks and gloves and, you know, you're doing your best to be as safe as possible, but there's also that level of concern of, well, you know, are you exposing yourself or what's going to happen? And mm-hmm. it said, we're going to keep doing it because it it's important to us. But um, th- that's been something that like, how can you give back? Even the gym I mentioned, you know, they were doing what they, they were, the gym is called Fly Girl. So they were doing drive-bys, right? So trying to be like, you drive and we would, a family would say, come to my house. We would do from two to four o'clock on a Sunday. We'd pick, say, what song would you like, right? They'd pick the song and we'd get out and we would do like a Zumba routine to that song or sing happy birthday to the, you know, just some little clever little bring joy to people because I think people are hungry for that. Uh, I've noticed it, you know, walking around, people are sitting in the front more because I think they want to see you, you know, 
just like a desire to see people and, uh, and connect and sort of think about that. In Ramadan, your iftar, which is when you break your fast, is typically a very communal experience. And so you're often rotating from friends to family homes. Everybody's trying to host. There's a lot of reward in feeding others when they're breaking their fast. And so that's a really critical piece of our experience. And to not have that, uh, I know some of the nonprofits that I'm a part of or um, serve on the board for, we've been trying to figure out how can we still, and there's a lot of community that we normally build. We normally are packing boxes or mm -hmm. providing Right. How do you do that when you can't do it in person? So, you know, we had to get creative. Can we get gift cards to local, you know, where do people live? Can we get a gift card to a local place? Do they deliver? Can they deliver directly to that family? Uh, can we still bring iftar to individuals who are in shelters or in spaces where they are in community so that there's some experience that, you know, we're giving? And so we've done that a couple, you know, times just to be able to think about, I can't eat with you, but I can at least try to bring you a meal that's maybe different than what you've had the last couple nights and everybody and so many people have come together to think about how to do that in a more creative way so that folks still have some of the celebration uh, without, you know, of course, putting people at risk. And at the end of the month, and we're in kind of the last 10 days, so these are the most sort of sacred of the month. There's a lot of prayer, you know, you, you are up very late in the night you know, praying and sort of hoping to sort of um, get the most out of the month. But at the end, there's a big holiday. And our holiday, this one's called Eid al-Fitr, and you normally are running from uh, your family's house. You have a big celebration. You're, you've got gifts for the kids. And, you know, people now are, you know, my family, the conversation is, well, what are we going to do? You know, because you want to make the celebration for the kids. And add to that our experience as Muslims in the U.S., you know, we're competing with some pretty big holidays and we don't get the same, uh, you know, recognition sometimes. It's getting better, but in recognition in the mainstream. And so for your kids to not have their Eid celebration in the way, you know, really takes away um, this feeling. So we've been talking about how can we get creative? Can each family drive by and drop off the kids gifts and, you know, you open it in your screen mm -hmm. <laughs> or can we drop off some meals to each other? Like, how can we make this celebratory, uh, and, you know, and get creative so that we still have that feeling, even though we're not able to be together in the way that we certainly would like to be. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting challenges and also opportunities for us to think about ways I don't know, connect in different levels and, you know, a, a lot. I, I think or I've noticed, and you kind of alluded to this maybe earlier too, I've noticed people are starting to feel like the days are blurring together yeah. because yeah. You know, what's different about them in some ways, right? And how do you, even though I've, I've been wondering, I tend to be real busy in, in my normal day-to-day -day thing. And I'm like, wait, what was I doing? <laughs> what was I running around for? Where where was I going all the time? And do I need that level of running around? I don't know, you know. So hopefully people can reassess and, I don't know, think about what we can, what do we have to have? What can we do differently? How can we think about others, you know, checking in on neighbors and things like, how do you keep doing that regardless of what's going on? I love what you said earlier. And um, so naturally in a time as this, we uh, we may you know prioritize rightfully so our own well-being, taking care of our families, 
obviously ensuring that we are safe and taking the necessary precautions. Um, and as you shared, there is still so much opportunity to also, where possible, um, serve others, right? Serve others and identify ways to. I've been thinking about the term um, and heard someone else. I was on another webinar and she differentiated self-care from like communal care. Oh. Um, right? And so self-care, right? It's been a huge discussion, a part of uh, managing the, you know, emotional, spiritual, physical, you know, toll of this. Self-care is something that we've certainly even, you know, when you talk about, you know, equity work and rest and even that is a form of resistance, huge. And I think there is something to be said about framing that in the context of community and what communal care looks like. And so I loved hearing how, especially as we interrogate where we have power, where we have privilege and in what ways we are more um, better situated in this system than others actively and really intentionally thinking about ways where we can um, sort of share risk, right? And so I think about um, certainly there are individuals who are, um, because of systems at play, more risk during this, you know, encounter more risk during this space and time. So what does it look like as individuals situated differently to share that risk a bit, right? And mm -hmm. I, I, I think that gets to the service piece and yeah. how we identify ways to, and you mentioned some of the work that your family's on, how we identify ways to, you know, get out there and, and serve those who are in need, bring them safety how we can, or community how we can, or care how we can, and really, you know, meet those very basic fundamental needs um, how we can. And so I've been thinking about that more, more, of, of more lately, uh, sort of, uh, holding space for, yes, I can care for, um, honor my own boundaries, take care of mm -hmm. my family, um, do what I need to do and take the necessary precautions to stay well and safe and create that to some extent for someone else. And so maybe that looks like, you know, if you have the economic means, you've mentioned it, continuing to support some of the small businesses that you have been supporting, right? You talked about the, the gym that you're Mm -hmm. part, especially if you're still continuing to, you know, uh, if you're able to maintain the same economic stability that you did. Right. And that's a big, yeah, that's a big challenge for folks right. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, uh, so, so even like, um, I've been, I've been trying to commit to, so I'm with you on the days blurring and prior to, um, Prior to this, this pandemic, I was not one to like um, like cook or do any mm -hmm. of the like growing in my capacity to do so. So much, so much so that I've I've um, been intentional about when I don't or when I am fatigued by it. If I do buy something from outside the home, um, I try to like frequent a a, a local owned yes woman owned yeah. you know uh, yeah you know um and um so yeah just thinking about you know thinking about ways i've been thinking more about how to where i can certainly share risk practice um modeling um service you know in this space and time 
And um, I just, it's just so important, so important. Yeah. I think you're articulating kind of that notion of intentionality. Mm-hmm. And I something that sometimes in the hustle and bustle of everything that we're doing, sometimes that gets missed. And I know for us as a family and me individually, that's been something real intentional that we've tried to do. So even what you said about the restaurant, you know, uh, because, you know, we are uh, also an Asian family, we made some real purposeful decisions to order from Chinese restaurants or from some other local organizations where we were like, and it was interesting because the comments that we would get from the, you know, people you kind of know from, you know, from areas where you might live, people are saying like, nobody's ordering from us. Like, we're not going to make it, you know, and or some of the challenges they've faced because of, again, perceptions or misperceptions that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens, right? What happens? And I also think what you said about the economic, recognizing that the economic impact is so vast in different ways for different folks. So I said at the beginning, one of the reasons I'm kind of grateful and guilty is for us, we're able to maintain for it now. What that looks like in a few months or as things shake out, I don't know. Uh, But a lot of folks who, if they ran a small business or they were an independent, you know, they were a coach or whatever they happen to be, they're out of work. Mm -hmm had to shut things down so the the ways that they're looking i mean even if you just hear about the unemployment claims i mean those are real real difficult issues and if you don't have access to technology to fill out the complicated forms or have resources to understand the complicated forms and the processes that you need to i mean those are real challenges and i think that's where what are the ways that we can give back and even what you were saying about like how do you get creative in giving back your time without, of course, risking? I mean, you have a small child. You're also, you know, you want to make sure that you're making you're making really smart choices. But I think even providing some resources, I've, I've had such creativity from folks about like, OK, what if I host a webinar? So we're not in, we're not in proximity with each other physically, but we're connecting and talking about how to fill out you know, unemployment forms or how can mm. or what are the things, you know, what, who's in our, we create, you know, a job search club or some, I don't know about you, but like the WhatsApp groups have gone, you know, just like wild in my world. And so the amount of information and resources that you, you can try to help people connect, you know, I shared with you, Eid is a big thing, our end of the month holiday and some of the community organizations that sometimes, you know, you would do like adopt a family, mm-hmm. family with youth gifts, but this year you won't be able to deliver them. So, you know, being able to have them delivered directly from a company, right? So if you have the resources to be able to still support a family, can you now just have those gifts, you know, sent to mm-hmm. directly? Again, you know, you have to sort of be able to, if, if you're able to do that and only, you know, if you are, but like getting a little bit creative. And I've been so impressed by the nonprofit world in terms of how quickly they pivoted to think about things in another way, you know? Yeah. Um, like you said, if we have some folks who, if you deliver food, you can um, deliver it contactless. And if the person has a need, you know, you can go into, you can get into their building, you can get it dropped off to their door uh-huh. or and think about ways of just doing it in, you know, in a 
And I, and I don't know that I paid attention to every one of those things in the past, but like now just trying to pay attention or even asking questions. So for example, yeah. if you are taking a class online, whatever the class is, an, you know, a health class or fitness class, asking people, hey, do you have a GoFundMe or are you, are you collecting, even if it's a dollar, you know, like people see if there's a way to help people uh, and setting that up so then somebody else was like oh i can give that person you know that that too and that way there's some contributions happening because i'm noticing a lot of people giving up their time in beautiful ways like mm -hmm. in ways. and so if there's a way for us to come together one person by one person to provide a little bit of support i feel like you know that's another potential way that you know if, if enough of us come together somebody might be able to be lifted uh, in, in some other space or place so you know just so much creativity uh, and you know this was a time I, I don't know I just happened to be in one of the other groups I'm involved with was involved in a lot of like census and there's a lot of jobs that come with the census so for a period of time, some people get employed but like how do you transition those physical jobs or they might have been going door to door to now phone? you know can people then do those from home so they're still getting some income but they're able to move it to a virtual you know, experience and still a stream of income to help, you know, their family. So there's so much to think about. Yeah, it's like, uh, and that's the other thing. I don't know if you're if you're experiencing this. I know I am is my mind is not. Hello, I was about to say I'm like, I'm already an overthinker. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you, when I tell you like, so it's one thing. In, in, so it's interesting because the more and more I've been, um, I, I consider myself an empath. I consider myself an empath, mm -hmm. um, very high on like my social, like intuitive. And um, I've had to just like track even not to like overwhelm myself, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I love, I love affirming that there is power in even the incremental like impact you can make, right? It's simple as a donation, as simple yeah. as uplifting someone's work, because you never know if, you know, when you reshare and uplift someone's work, who else it can, um, who else will, uh, who else will reach, right? That's right. Um, That's right. And, and just kind of finding those ways and it takes intention. I'm, I'm glad you called out the word, just it really does take intention. And um, even for the folks who, you know, similarly are always trying to find ways to serve and thinking through these things, I think in as much as intention is important, I think grace to oneself is too, because it's easy mm -hmm. to kind of just like fall down and feeling like, you know, you're not doing enough and then experiencing kind of like compassion fatigue and burnout. Like, I think those are very real things too. Um, so yeah it's so much and and i and i also just think it's worth affirming that um absolutely it's it's okay to feel it is okay to feel grateful and it's okay to experience you know all of these things that one may be fortunate to experience and still experience like the muddiness of whatever emotions you're feeling right. as you're in this period in time like i am absolutely grateful and in some days i feel overwhelmed by just like, you know, motherhood. I'm actually <laughs> full for employment and, and some days I feel overwhelmed by not understanding how to like, you know, continue to connect and stay productive and all those things. And just like holding space for both of those 
feeling right. so important. Um, so important. Um, yeah. I have, I think I have, the other, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just thinking what you said. Like the other thing that we've been having to share with folks is thinking about like for some of us, maybe working virtual is comfortable, is safe, you know, or we already knew what it was like. And for others, it was a very dramatic shift and in some cases has not always been a safe place right so even just recognizing that the experience and the the way who has access and how do we do that is is complicated right and so to to sort of sometimes slow down and recognize not everybody has the same experience which is so critical to the work that we do anyway and to now apply it uh, in this space and place is you know adds more learning and i hope more reflection and time to sort of think about how complex we all are. Yes, 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 yes. Someone on our team, Damra Subramanian, she just, uh, she recently wrote a post about how she, she entitled it, staying at home does not always mean safe at home, right? Yeah. And how part of the conversation around um, understanding just sort of the quarantine and stay-at-home orders is also understanding that people who are in homes where there's domestic violence or who are in homes where they do not have access to, to basic needs. Like it is a very different reality that has to be part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, that can't be forgotten or understated. So, so much. I have a question to kind of wrap us up, bring us home. Um, what do you want to come from? this pandemic, like when you think about what a reimagined world will look like, and maybe it's, you know, out of reach, maybe it's, 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 it's aspirational, but from your perspective, um, what do you want to come from all of this, be it in your personal life, be it in your community, or even, you know, broader systems change? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think what you want, at least certainly for what I want, is for us to recognize what were the good things that came out of this, right? So when we look around the world and we hear things like the waterways have cleared up, the air is more sort of uh, in, in better shape. The you know, there's so many sort of like in, interesting environmental effects that are a positive of us of us sort of having become somewhat still. Now, ultimately, I don't think we need to be uh, we need to always be that still. But what are the things that we can do differently? And if we developed practices, like now I have so many more conversations with my younger nieces and nephews and like even just, you know, doing a workout class with them, you know, like, wait, <laughs> didn't I ever think to do that before? And how can we stay connected with each other regardless of this? And, you know, not to forget, I think you were sort of alluding to this too, Brittany, which is like not to forget that, you know, we're not home necessarily because we want to be, right? There's there's a reason we're home right now. And that reason we're home is, of course, to protect ourselves, but also to protect others, right? And so we carry that with us a little bit, like remembering the others in all that we're moments. And, you know, it's, it, you kind of want to live that way anyway. And the reality is maybe this was sort of an interesting wake up or reminder uh, to do that. And and I, I meant it when I said earlier, I probably like many others felt 
good about running around and getting a lot of things that I thought I was doing, getting them done, but, but maybe I didn't need to do all of those things. And what do I absolutely need to do? And how can I do some things a little bit differently? And what have I accomplished in this time that I'm in? There's been a lot, that, like my lists have been, like my lists have lists now, you know, <laughs> like they've sublists. Um, and yet what, you know, I've been able to do some interesting things. And in addition to that, like one difficult list for me is my prayer list, right? The people who are dealing with some really either health or, you know, if you've had a loss during this time, that's a really hard thing mm -hmm. to have experienced in such isolation. Like, what? You know, it's, I just, you almost can't, I, I can't exactly explain it, but like, how can we continue to keep people in our hearts and, and minds even outside of, you know, a, a terrible experience that we're all in the middle of? So those are some things I hope for. I hope that we can kind of take with us this notion of like, bad behavior should not be tolerated. I mean, there's a lot of in our world and how do we speak up about them and speak out about them and do so in a way that brings people with us? Because the reality is it's not okay, you know? And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I was thinking, I remember thinking like, there's got to be better ways of being. And, you know, if we can figure out what those better ways of being are, I think we'll all be better. Mm. Uh, some of that might just be, remembering each other more and I don't know pausing at times and I don't know maybe acting differently right so so it's a really big question it's a, it's a I think a really important question and I'm still probably reflecting and I, I guess the other thing is I don't want to go back to everything the way that it was so there, we go. there it is I, yeah you know if I can figure out what those pieces are I'm not a hundred percent sure just yet uh, but I think that that will be the lesson for all of us. I love it. There has got to be a new way of being. I absolutely agree. I know it. We've experienced it to some extent. And for that, I am hopeful. I am yes. absolutely, I am absolutely hopeful. Um, certainly isn't perfect, far from perfect. And we've seen the need for even this work around equity injustice exacerbated in this period and i'm hopeful that um, this space moment in time offers us new ways to think about being you know yes i love yeah. it yeah this has been wonderful I am so, i'm so appreciative of your time um appreciative of you for just sharing with us and our listeners I am um, prayerful that you all will have a, um, the, you said how many, today is the 14th, and so how many days left of? To, today, um, we are, we have 10 days left, essentially, days left. last third uh, of the month, so, you know, usually about 30 days, 29 to 30 days, so we're right at the, the, the final third here. Well, I um, wish you and your family all the best. Um, it is Thank wonderful you. to have been able to reconnect. And um, I am hopeful. I am hopeful. And I'm hopeful that we'll get to actually see each other again. I know. <laughs> I, I do miss people. I think that's the bottom. I'm missing people a lot. Um, I really, really am missing folks and look forward to the days when we can, 
you know, I, I would love to be able to see people again in the same way. Same. And I, this was beautiful. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the invitation and enjoy the time with your little one. I'm sure the days are long and stressful at times too, and they do fly by quickly. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening.